The New Zealand Today podcast was made with the support of New Zealand on air. Cheers, guys. I'm warning the following episode contains uh, graphic descriptions of violence and family violence. So if that's uh, not going to be good for you, then um, please uh, skip this one. Thanks for listening to everyone. And um, uh, what do I say? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I did get good luck. I got a good judge and I got a good jury. <laughs> Welcome to episode four of the New Zealand Today podcast. Um, my name is Guy Williams. I'm joined by uh, Karen Hill. Good morning. And uh, this is the uh, audio accompaniment to the New Zealand Today show. It's vaguely connected to the New Zealand Today show. We're coming live from Karen's house in New Zealand. Oh, we're not live, are we? This is clearly pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so used to say coming live, eh? Yeah. And we're covering all the news and all the stories that you need to know about in New Zealand, Aotearoa, today. Karen, are you excited? Yes, of course. What, what do you, of course? You don't have to be excited. I love talking. Yeah. <laughs> don't we all, eh? Yeah. Don't we all? I enjoy talking about myself, and that's an embarrassing thing to admit. People always say, like, if you do an interview or something like that, is it hard? And it's like, no, I'm weirdly self-absorbed. And mm. I, I know it's embarrassing to admit that out loud, but um, I think a lot of people do, especially older people, because they yeah. want to tell you all their stories when they're old. Yeah, I know. I love telling my stories. Yeah, but like, you know, like you get on the bus and you just start a conversation with people. And oh, yeah, no, crazy. I totally talk to strangers. Yeah. Just sitting at the bus stop and oh, hey, going, lovely day, isn't it? And off we go. And always end up with, nice to meet you. You have a nice rest of your day. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really lovely when it's a positive experience. And um, it's weird to go to a big city if you visit, um, you know, say New York or London or something big. Oh, yeah, you don't go smiling at the person when you're walking in the street do you like I see the elderly come in I always put a smile on and lovely morning yeah so they know I'm not a threat because there's that many assholes around nowadays yeah you reckon there's more assholes these days it's well, who, who robs handbags off a lady in the car park and she's holding on to a handbag and well, people who are poor ser- seriously injured you, there's no right to go around robbing people that is disgusting that's true didn't you say your uncle was a robber a burglar. A burglar. Oh, different. Oh, no, sorry. No, nobody was home in the premises. Yeah, okay, okay. Shocked. Because you're always very anti-crime, and then you just tell me so many stories about crime. I'm like, I really mixed messages. I'm not pro-crime, by the way. I'm just like... I Neither can... am I. I've just committed a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, the thing... The, yeah... It's a tricky one because you don't want to ever sympathize or like justify a criminal or anything like that. No. But at the same time, you're like... I'm lucky in my life that I've never been had to think about a burglary or something like that, you yeah, know? No, I've never, I've never been a um, burglar or anything like that, shoplifting. I shoplifted when I was a kid and I got caught. Yeah. Oh, everyone, when you were a kid. Taking sweets at the Woolworths Pick and Mix. Yeah. Well, that's uh, not even a crime. That's uh, a New they, Zealand they, right. They took me upstairs and they rang the police and the police took me home. My grandmother was visiting and I was mortified, but it actually worked for me. Because I was so, not about my mum and dad, it was my grandmother being there. What? 
what, what happens for people who have listened to the, haven't listened to the podcast before is that Karen's stories are a lot better than mine. So Karen's story is coming up, so don't worry about that. And Karen, your, your story we're teasing today, we teased at the end of last podcast, is the story you're sharing. About when I stabbed a man. When she stabbed a man. So my story's got to go first because there's no way I'm fucking topping that, all right? So um, my story is that, um, for people who don't know the Len Brown scandal, Len Brown was a very drab, kind of boring, old man, kind yeah. of accountant kind of vibe yeah. mayor who got elected in a landslide with the support of South Auckland churches. He was um, he was, he was was white, but he was very popular yeah, in the Pacific yeah, communities. Yeah. And um, he got elected kind of in a landslide when Auckland formed a super mayor, mayoralty, yeah, right? That's right. And he ran a second campaign uh, against a weird American guy called John Polino. And um, straight after he got elected... Uh, he was shamed in a huge sex scandal um, where uh, John Polino released the, uh, a woman whose name was Bevan. The, the re- I say their names not to out them because their names are public. I think they're making a yeah. movie about her life, but also just because the names are quite unusual. Yeah. It's a woman whose name is Bevan. And, uh, That's her first name. Her name is Bevan Schwang, yeah. Oh, and yeah. she, um, Bevan Schwang was the woman in the affair. I feel quite sorry for her. Any woman in a sex scandal gets dragged through the ringer for no reason. Yeah. Um, other than the embarrassment of sleeping with Lem Brown. But um, <laughs> uh, the weird story was that Bevan was kind of pushed into the relationship by a political offer- operative who worked for John Polino, and his name, and I'm sorry if this is racist for making fun of his name, but it's one of the funniest and best names I've ever heard. I think it's Italian. Was Luigi Waweegee. Luigi Luigi. Luigi Waweegee. Luigi Waweegee. Luigi Waweegee was the evil criminal mastermind behind leaking the Len Brown sex scandal. And here's the irony of it. I already kind of spoiled it. They leaked the sex scandal after they lost the election. So not only did they lose in the polls, a week later they released that the mayor was having an embarrassing scandal after the mayor was already re-elected. So they'd already lost, like there was nothing to gain. They just shamed themselves, yeah, yeah. got their own names dragged yeah. through the mud. Yeah. And um, everyone came out looking awful. Len Brown did his second term yeah. and they ended up leaving. It was just interesting that Len Brown um, hilariously was caught um, having his affair in the Nati Fatua room. Shout out to Nati Fatua. I'm so sorry that their room got dragged through the mud like that. Yeah. But luckily it wasn't like a sacred room or something like that. But that was kind of a weird room of all the places to have sex. Not yeah. the Nati Fatua room. No. But should, the other thing that was weird was that... Um, should have been down in the basement. Is that where you do the sex? <laughs> I don't know. Karen, stop. If you were the mayor of Auckland, where would be your top three places to have sex? <laughs> One, basement. <laughs> two and a beard beard that's good thinking that's good thing number two number three number three. Oh, what should we do up against the wall <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of locations but you got very specific there very, you're like in a kitchen it's, be, it's because I don't do it anymore okay. <laughs> I'm retired you're retired from yeah. uh, lovemaking yeah oh good on you Kia Car. <laughs> I'm, I'm retired vol- voluntarily I've been retired. out with enough idiots in my lifetime so far <laughs> good on you mate good on you good on you oh so you might come out of retirement if you met a special person the right the person no. Nah. I got my friend Peter his companionship. Oh, shout out to Peter. Yeah, so I don't have to grow old by myself. Oh. Yeah. Wow. This got from very uh, <laughs> smutty to very uh, wholesome real fast. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. I, I met Peter. He was a little yeah. lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, he cool. is. But I've got, to, I've got to finish my story about Len Brown, <laughs> yeah. the Len Brown scandal, right? 
Um, yeah, so the Luigi Luigi Bev and Schwang scandal broke. Um, but before that, I really had a relationship with these people because politicians generally aren't like up for like a laugh, right. except for a week before an election, in which yeah. case they'll do any press you want. Yeah. And we had a terrible segment. It's actually kind of gone viral on TikTok now because um, uh, I did one with Jacinda Ardern as yeah. well, and she's now very famous. She wasn't that famous. Yeah. She was a backbencher at the yeah. time. But we got her on, um, and it was horrible. We did a segment where uh, a little a character we called Little Guy, which was a little kid who we pretended was like a mini version of me with big old glasses on. He was the most adorable <laughs> kid. So talented and so funny. Yeah, Shout out to yeah. Little Guy. You're a legend, mate. Yeah. And he would go on a microphone in another room and tell me what weird stuff to do in the interview. It's one of the hardest <laughs> things I've ever done because a kid's idea, like it's an eight-year-old's idea of what you should do. He'd be like, get up, run around the chair, and then run into the wall. <laughs> that, that's not good stuff, Karen. No, well, you were the one who was being guided by him. One of his suggestions <laughs> one of his suggestions was um, slap. Jacinda uh, in the face. Yeah. And so we, we played slaps, and I lightly tapped her on the face, and now that video's gone viral. I know. And, and A, it's fake news. She wasn't the prime minister then. She hasn't been, people think yeah. she's doing that last week. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And also... It was I probably it was a very light touch on the face, yeah. but I still cringe when I see it. And um, unfortunately, Why? unfortunately, my whole career is good. well because because just any touching a woman on the face without their consent is a bit weird, you know. Like it's just I feel weird about it now. You know, if I went and yeah. touched your face now, that'd be weird, right? Why? What you just don't just go touch people's face if you touch oh, my face, it'd be weird. Unless yeah. you're like I don't know. I, we've just learned more about inappropriate. Unless touching you went now. like, are you right? Are you hot? You know, yeah, just. Yeah. Because you'd look hot or, you know. Do you not feel weird about inappropriate touching? Like, people come in. Oh, you know, I do feel. When we when we, yeah. um, when we took photos at New Zealand Today Live after the show, yeah. I remember um, a woman just, like, kind of, like, you know, gave my ass a cheeky squeeze. And I felt like, you know, like, you know. Really? Like, things like that, you yeah. And I was like, woman, woman, obviously, normally it's the other way around. Woman put up with it so often. But yeah. I always, like, um, yeah. I always freak out a little bit. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. You know what I would have done if some guy pinched my ass when what? we were- Oh, I punched him in the face. <laughs> That's a good solution there, Karen. That's a bloody good solution. Hey, you touched me, I'm going to touch you now. Yeah, well, that's, that, that, um, I, 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 um, it wasn't that. It wasn't that much. It was. It was just in good fun. And it's people. I know. Well, you humor. can't go punching that woman in the face, can you? That wouldn't have been a good look. No, and and and, and when men are doing it, uh, it can be a little bit more insidious, it's, and it's offensive. Yeah. Yeah, just I I don't know how a woman put up with sexual harassment, and I don't think men realise how bad it is. And it's not until it happens to you. Mm. I've had a few incidences. Someone uh, yanked my dick once. It's funny when I say it now, but yeah. at the time it was at a party. It was completely sincere. Like the you know this person pulled me close and like you know gave me a good old fondle, <laughs> and um, genuinely was like quite you know still kind of like was like yeah did not enjoy it. And um, I can only imagine, yeah, what women have to go through on a, on a regular basis, but I feel, um, yeah, rough about it. This guy wouldn't leave me in the pub one time. He kept annoying me. I kept saying, go away. And he wanted to kiss me. And you got beautiful eyes and all that. I said, I've told you to leave me alone. And I pushed him and he went over on the floor. And I got barred. Hmm. That's, that's often the way, eh? Where it's like yeah. the person, yeah. Okay, so I've got to, I've got to finish the story. Yeah, it's taking a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got. I thought we're taking some nice tangents along the way. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good. Okay, so we're doing these um, interviews with a kid in my earpiece, giving me instructions, and they were wacky, right? Yeah. 
And we did Len Brown, and I was quite nervous because, you know, like we were inside the offices or something like that, probably a room you had sex in, and I was quite <laughs> nervous about it. Interviewing Len Brown, and, it, you know, we asked some awkward questions, but it was all kind of like nice. You know, his brand was kind of being boring. So um, I kind of yeah. asked some questions about being boring and the kid made me do some wacky things. I think I did some press-ups and probably yeah. kissed the carpet and stuff like that. It was weird. <laughs> anyway, the wacky interview happened, said goodbye to him, said goodbye to his his guy who was with him. In New Zealand, we don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of people behind the scenes, yeah. but it was like a media manager or a press person. I couldn't really tell, maybe his personal assistant, I couldn't tell who this guy was, right? And um, a week later, bombshell drops. Len Brown becomes the... Um, you know, the headline news, every part, you know, people get really yeah. excited by love scandals, mm. especially ones with the mayor and a man named Luigi Waluigi. That's some mm. juicy ass shit. Len Brown decided he was going to do an interview and um, he did it with uh, my channel, the channel I worked at at the time, Channel 3, John Campbell. Yeah. And he went on that night or the night after the scandal broke and did like the tearful apology, yeah. which is always kind of bullshit, yeah. you know, like... They always, you know, the rugby player will come back to New Zealand yeah. in disgrace and they'll cry and they'll go, oh, oh I'm so sorry I let everyone down. It's like you didn't let anyone down but really your partner and your family. Like if anything, we like it because we enjoy hearing a good juicy sex yarn and living vicariously through you and stuff. I decided that I saw the interview was happening live on TV. I was still at work in the office. And I went out of that and I decided to sit on the steps of the TV studio and wait for Len Brown to come out yeah. just to see. And just because he was like nice to me the week before. And I realized yeah. even though he fucked up and it was his, he was the asshole in the situation, yeah. I also wanted to say like, pull through, man. Yeah. Don't kill yourself. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it's... Don't let it get you down. <laughs> yeah. So he came out of the steps and there was like some paparazzi there almost, or new, not paparazzi, just like news photographers yeah. there. And he kind of waved to them. And he saw me sitting on the steps across the road yeah. and I was like... Gave him the don't kill yourself thumbs yeah, up. Yeah. Life is worth living. I don't know what I was doing. And uh, he uh, he came out of the steps and he was he was his diplomatic smiled and got in a car, taxi or whatever, and drove off. Uh, and then that um, weird guy, the media guy, came out afterwards. He he said to me, that interview there, the one he'd just done with like proper journalist yeah. John Campbell on seven yeah. PM, that was easier than the interview we did with you and the kid the other day. And then he kind of winked at me and then just got in his Subaru and drove off. And I found that so weird yeah. that he, I guess he was joking. Maybe he was just glad it went well or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But he was like, he, you could tell he was like, I'm the fucking man. I'm behind the <laughs> scenes. I put, I call the shots. I yeah. make shit happen. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure, but I think that guy might still be with the mayor of Auckland to this day. He's just kind of one of those people that just kind of like works in politics behind the scenes. It kind of doesn't matter who the mayor is. You know, he's kind of like the behind the scenes mm. mingler. He's the little finger of the situation. He just found, I found that kind of interesting and Weird. Doing a um, PR piece, I guess, was easier than a wacky comedy yeah. sketch. Anyway, I don't. That was my story about Lynn Brown. Okay, that was a good story. <laughs> was it though? I was proud of it. I thought yeah. it was mildly interesting. Yeah. Okay, now I'm about to get um, blown out of the water by the main event. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to hear about the time Karen stabbed. A man. Mm. I shouldn't laugh because it's quite serious. Back in 1998, it was in January, and I'd had, it was a Sunday, and I had a friend come well, over. Well, can you just tell, set the scene? Is it Stokes Valley? Where is this? No, it's in um, Upper Hutt. But anyway, um, I had a friend come for a Sunday roast, and then this man turned up. And I said, oh, yeah. This is, this is going to be quite a serious story, right? It's not like and, a and, um, big old laugh. Yeah, no, and oh, yeah, okay. 
Then he said, I'm staying. I said, you're not staying the night. Phil's staying the night. You're fucking going. So so this guy almost invited himself over? Yeah, or, he, yeah. yeah he, he came along with a bottle of um, whiskey. And and I said, no, you got to go. And at 7 o'clock, I had such enough of him, and he wouldn't go. He refused to go. Was your friend still there? Yeah. And um, I, rang his, I rang a mate of his, and he turned up, and he said, come on, we're going to go. And he said, I'm not going. And he wouldn't go with him. And I honestly thought that was how I'd get rid of him. And so four hours later at 11 p.m., I just had enough. Unbelievable. Four had, even you had enough at seven. Uh, you were still there four hours later. Yeah. And um, I went over towards my, in my kitchen, and then he came towards me, and I had no way out. I couldn't get out. And so I picked the knife up, and I told him, I said, fuck off, don't fucking come near me. And all I remember is looking down and seeing the knife to the hilt in his stomach, and I, oh, my God, and pulled it out. I went, Louie, you did. You made me stab you. And he said, you haven't stabbed me. And he looked down and saw blood and went, you're crazy, and ran out my front door. <laughs> and then I was, like, really worried. And then I followed him up the road because he went up the road. And oh, and then he was up the top of the street. And I, I went back to a house and I saw a light on and I knocked on the door and this young, like, college boy came to the door and I said, hey, can you ring the um, ambulance because I think there's a guy stabbed up the road. And uh, he said, oh, can you just wait for my mum? And so the mum came to the door and I said, I think, can you ring an ambulance because I think there's a guy stabbed up the road. I ran all the way up the street and I ran all the way back down to home again and it was all on adrenaline. I'd never really felt adrenaline and, and like I did that, that night. And then the police turned up about a quarter of an hour later, Cohen and Karen, so I went, and I run my lawyer at the jail, and I says, I've done it now. I said, I've stabbed the fucking bastard. He went, stop, stop, I want to talk to the sergeant. I, I don't want, and then he, he said, I want them to give the phone back to you. And then when I got the phone back, he said, don't say anything. Anyway, you don't say anything without me there. And they came in the cell about three in the morning and said, um, you wanna, do you want to talk now, Karen? I said, is my lawyer here? And they said, no. And I said, well, fuck off. And um, and then this police police detective lady, she came in about an hour later. She said they've moved him from ICU to, to a ward. So I knew he was going to live. Oh, that's good news. Because that was all well, that freaked me out. Oh, my God, please don't die. Please don't die. Anyway, so they charged me with wounding to wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. And I didn't know till my lawyer came and said, Karen, you stabbed him twice. I said, what? And I still to this day can only remember picking the knife up and then seeing it in his stomach, and that was the second stab. I was going in, out, in, out, because they were real clean. And I punctured his lung and I missed his heart by a quarter of a centimetre. And there by the grace of that goes I. And so ten and a half months later, I get to court, and my lawyer destroyed him on the stand because he had um, criminal history of assaults, but never ever on a man, only woman and police. Wow. He said not taken away from police, but they're doing their job. Yeah, you know. And so, have you ever been convicted of assault on a man? And he went, "You haven't, have you, Mister?" Off, oh, here's the surname, and um. Yeah, three days later and five hours later, the jury came out and said not guilty. And I was free to go. <laughs> so, like, so, yeah. 
That's the end. Of, okay, so I'm sorry. And I, then, and I, I then, laugh when the when and then I went times. to the police station and asked for my knife back, <laughs> and they went and got it and gave it back to me. <laughs> oh mate, okay. I got, because they had to because I was found not guilty. I got three thousand questions. You've got to give more. You can't just be like. And then I went there and then not guilty. I was like, sounds guilty to me. Did you plead self defence? No, yeah, get? yeah. It was not guilty self defence. Oh, See, gosh. now, if he died, I could only have got it taken from um, murder down to um, manslaughter. You can't get found not guilty and, and absolutely walk yeah. if they die, but you can go down to manslaughter. And the way the judge summed up at the end of the trial, when the prosecutor started summing up, I was going, oh, my God, I'm done for. And then my lawyer, was name was Paul Paino. He's a really... Good lawyer, you're in trouble. Get Paul Paino, he's top lawyer. And he spoke, and I felt all good again. And then the judge spoke, and I felt really good. And you get looked after by prison guards, and they're with you all the time. You always got one with you in the dock and all that. And um, they were going, nah, because they knew him because he'd been to jail. And they said, nah, you, you're not going to get found guilty of that, Karen. They said, I'll tell you this, when they go to give their verdict, if they're looking at the judge, then you're guilty. But if they find you're not guilty, they look at you. Oh. Yeah. Because I, I get I, excited or disappointed. Well, no, I, I don't think when they find you guilty, they don't really want to look at you. Yeah, yeah. And then when well, they find they you not guilty, they, they – and, and, That's a good tip. And then I've actually sat on a, tr- on a jury and mm. a high court trial of rape. I don't, are you allowed really to talk did. about that? Yeah, because we cool. found we found the guy not guilty. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I thought, and like, I was the only one, and I never told. I was on them. a jury too, and I was told not to talk about it. No, not while it's the case is going on. Oh, afterwards, you yeah. Can. Afterwards, free for all. Yeah, just well, have a, just... because the, the verdict's in, isn't it? I, he get, I so, so if you're not guilty, self-defense is he in trouble for attacking nah, you? No, nah. his punishment is getting stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. one close to the lungs, one close to the heart. Did you say? Or punches? Yeah, punched the lung. So it was weirdly comedic at the moment we stabbed him. So you didn't know you stabbed him, and you said, "I knew I stabbed st- you." What was yeah, your quote? Yeah. I stabbed you. I said, "Look what you've done! You've made me stab you." That is what you would say. I can imagine yeah, you said, "Look yeah. what you've done! You've made me stab you." And he said, "No, you haven't." And then he had a white singlet on, and he saw the blood. He said, "You're crazy!" And ran out my front door. Well, he should have gone at seven o'clock. Yeah, he should have gone at seven o'clock. <laughs> And it would never have happened. Would have never happened if he didn't go at seven o'clock. Far so, around. if you come to my house and I say it's time to go, it's time to fucking go. <laughs> wow! Holy shivers! But yeah, like that's that's an amazing story, Karen. Um, thank you for sharing it. Um, oh, I, my only my only follow up question is: Where is the man now? Uh, he um went to Napier. Because his own it's where brother, where all bad people go. His own brother to came Napier. Around. We've had enough of your shit. He, his to own, Napier. His own brother came round and said, "I'm glad you got off, Karen, because that bastard deserved it." Wow, wow. And do you think he's still alive? Well, I don't know. I seen him on Facebook, and so I, I put a thing here. Remember me? <laughs> <laughs> and I've never heard back. Remember me, motherfucker? 
<laughs> Here I am. Surprise. I'm coming to Napier. No, um, no. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> Shit. That is a traumatic uh, uh, story. Uh, it was traumatic at the time. Yeah. But I can laugh about it now. Because it's so, yeah, good on you. Because there's, there's so many layers to it, right? There's the layer that to be in that situation with so a To pick up a person. knife, I, I, I'd like to just say to people, if you're going to pick up a knife, it's a lot easier to use than you than you think. So I just would never pick up a knife and threaten anybody with a knife. I just mm. wouldn't go there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that is um, a uh, yeah a heck of and a story. When, and when they lock you up in the cell, you know what you do? What? You be nice to the police, and they give you a mattress, sheets, pillow, pillow slips, blanket, and Reader's Digest. <laughs> Good to get some readers' digests. The best way readers can digest the news. And then you hear idiots coming and banging on the door. And you go, fuck up. You're not the only one here. You should have been fucking nice and you'd have blanket. Was that maybe the. Because um, if you're an arsehole, they're assholes to you. Yeah. But if you're nice and cooperate, they look after you. I guess like in that situation, though, for a lot of people, it'd be hard. To, I mean, you were fine because you just stabbed a man, so you were that was easy for you. But um, no, I'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking. But like, um, but you know, yeah. like, like a lot of people would be in prison in shock. So it's not surprising when they're an asshole to police, right? Like, regardless of what they've done, yeah. not again, not justifying what they've done, but like, you know, like you'd be most people at prison are in prison are in the, the lowest point of their life, regardless mm-hmm. of whether they've done it or not. So you can imagine a lot of people are assholes, and it's quite hard. Mm. Be a hard job as a jailer or a policeman or whatever to have yeah. sympathy for them. But like you go, mm. shit, these people. No one want. No one really plans to start their day with a stabbing. Just no. it happens. And not when you've cooked a roast and. Yeah. And my friend was there, but wait, wait. it was the gnome. It was the thieving gnome who died in in last month. That was your friend. That was who was there. Oh, oh, that all ties and back. He's, and he's just thinking. The thieving gnome. It's about time. I think do I have to grab that stool and hit him over the head because was really tall, about six two. Yeah. And when my when my um, lawyer somebody said, and it was a hot summer night. Really, <laughs> eleven p.m. and this you've seen the size of him, and he's in this singlet, and he's coming towards you. What would you do? You know, like to the jury. And when he said it's a hot summer night, all I could think of was meatloaf. <laughs> Not the, the food. The singer. It was a hot, hot summer, summer night and the, the heat was burning. burning. I was when he goes a hot summer night, taste. all that kept going through my head was that song. <laughs> what is that song? What is the song? Do you know what the song is? Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. mouth. It must, it must have, have been, been when, when you I were kissing me. Yeah. You took the words right out of my yeah. mouth. But he goes, it was a hot and summer night, and it's all I could think of. Hot song. summer night, and the feet was burning. <laughs> I was dying just to ask for a taste. <laughs> and I'm and rolling. Now, i got to learn more. Before I start aggressively singing a song, I've got to learn some of the words. <laughs> and I swear it's true. I was just How old were you when you heard Meatloaf? I'm from Nelson. Every day yeah. I was born. Growing up in Nelson, music was like wrong. Like I didn't realize that. People like when people talk about like Britpop, 
and like the 1990s and Blur and Oasis. I don't really know what they're talking about because I was in Nelson and we like grew up, it was like the 1980s and the 1990s and then probably the 1990s and the 2000s. Like we were so behind. Yeah. It was like, yeah, Meatloaf was like the main music. Yeah. The, 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 the main band in Nelson growing up was Van Halen. Like even in the 2000s, like Van, Van Halen, number one, baby. Queen, obviously. I knew a guy from, well, I didn't know. I met this guy and he was from England and he said, he arrived in Auckland on a Sunday and he thought the country was closed. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing happened on a You got town, dead quiet, petrol station open, couple of dairies, that was it. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of New Zealand, it's still like that, right? Like, yeah. A lot of New Zealand's still like Sunday night, it's like dead. But we slept in the summertime with our back door wide open. We never locked our house until, unless you were going away, you know, on a holiday. Mm. Otherwise, you, you'd go home and if you like, the back door is always unlocked. To be fair, Karen, with your house, anything that's out there should be more scared of you than you are of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, shivers. That was a, a hell of a story, Karen. Um, yeah, slow clap of appreciation for that. That was bloody amazing. <laughs> And, um, yeah, we'll see you next time on the New Zealand Today podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share, tell your friends about, um, I'd say, the greatest podcast the world's ever recorded, um, featuring the wonderful Karen Hill. And my message is, if you're arguing, don't pick up a knife. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening to Karen and myself, Please support the show by telling your friends and spreading the good word on social media. And subscribe to the New Zealand Today podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts are found. Also, where bad podcasts are found. The New Zealand Today podcast is a production of Freddie Boy Podcasts. That's a real thing, not just something we made up five minutes ago. It was edited by Luke, the Phantom Menace Earl and was made with the help of the legends at New Zealand On Air. It's like a Dane Rumble video.